Hi, everybody. David Noor. I want to welcome you back to another episode of the Curvebenders Live. I'm delighted you're here. And if you haven't had a chance to see any of the previous sessions in this series, I'm talking about seven steps to meeting potential curvebenders. Uh, we're live on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, uh, beyond the holiday interruptions. I try to do uh, these Curvebenders Live sessions each Tuesday at noon Eastern. And the intent is to really bring the ideas in my most recent book, Curvebenders, to life. Um, you and I, uh, I, I don't know about you, I, I love reading. I read a lot of different books. And it's one thing to kind of pick up the text or read about any author's ideas. We're talking about specifically non-business uh, or, or non-fiction business books. I think it's something else to bring those ideas to life and give them texture and give them examples. And make them really that much more relevant, contextually relevant in what's happening around us. Uh, if you don't know the book publishing business, uh, for me, it's typically about a three, four year process. At some point, uh, you've read enough, you've talked enough, you've coached and consulted enough about an idea that you feel like you have something to say. And I tell most of my friends, you'd be delighted to hear, I'm not writing Harry Potter. I'm never going to get wealthy writing books. Books become great vehicle to capture ideas and perspectives and interviews and research and share those hopefully with a broader audience. And again, my goal with this series, my goal with this medium is to really extract some nuggets from the book and bring those to life. So I'm going to go ahead and share my screen. This is a seven-part series where I talk about each of these steps and specifically uh, really share um, this idea that for you to remain relevant, if you think about all the disruptions in our lives between you know coming out of the pandemic and supply chain and now U.S. certainly, if not global, inflationary pressures, for you to remain relevant, we're going to have to accelerate our learning and growth. We're going to have to really get intentional about this journey from now to next. Now, I can't be you and you can't be me and I can't be some of my mentors. And so all we can do, any of us, every one of us, is to become the best version of ourselves. And that's really what this is about. In your personal and professional growth journey, how do you become intentional about becoming that best version of yourself? What is that next role? What is that next opportunity? What is that next uh, stair step, that proverbial next growth stage look like for you? Is it a title? Is it more money? Is it a leading a PNL? Is it leading a bigger PNL? Is it really driving the exit of your current startup or launching a new initiative within your large enterprise? Whatever that next journey is, if it's not, in, again, in my experience, in my coaching, in my consulting, if it's not captured, if you're not intentional about it, if there's no plan, it's a pipe dream. It, it might as well be a lottery ticket because you're not going to put in the effort to really come help, come, you know, make get it to fruition, come realize what that potential really is. So if you believe that assertion that your personal and professional growth is the path, I don't believe our traditional learning approaches will suffice moving forward. I keep thinking about my undergraduate study, right? 
I've got two kids now in college and they're taking classes and I, I don't remember the last time in my professional life I had to use differential calculus. So the notion of learn, 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 maybe at some future point apply it, I don't believe is as relevant as it once was in our professional lives. Nothing against undergraduate studies and I believe in the academia and the academia world and that is a foundation, that academic foundation gives all of us, I believe, a leg up, many of us. As adult learners in the professional arena, I believe in what I call nonlinear growth. I don't need an MIT computer science degree if I don't learn how to code. And I want to learn how to code to solve a problem. Just like I don't really need a drill. I use a drill to drill a hole to hang a painting. What I want to do is look at the painting. But I need the hole and I need the drill to make that happen. So nonlinear growth is don't confuse an enabler of something with the outcome of something. What I want to do is code. I don't even want to code. What I want to do is get to the end result of a user interface or some sort of a remove friction from an experience. That's the outcome I'm after, but I need to code to get there. I want to learn about coding to get there. That's nonlinear growth. The fastest path up that nonlinear growth are a few strategic relationships. Those relationships I call curve benders. And I have for the last several years. So if curve benders can accelerate your ability to get to and really progress through this journey of now to next, who are they? Where are they? How do we find these magical, mystical creatures? That's the question I get asked most often. And I don't, in the Matrix movie vernacular, I don't have a blue or red pill. What I can do is give you a guideline. I can give you, I can be that Sherpa. I can be that guide. I can give you a, a playbook. And this, these seven steps is one of those plays. So I would encourage you to go back and listen to previous episodes. Episode one at the bottom was really all about step one, which is kind of a personal foundation, uh, a nonlinear mindset of growth, entrepreneurial, and digital. You have to have those in 2022 and beyond. Number two, or step two, is a professional commitment. My dad drove into me. If you're going to be a garbage collector, be the best garbage collector you can. So it's a professional commitment to exceed existing expectations of you. Not just meet them. You have to exceed them. Be the best. Commit to being the best at whatever field you've chosen to pursue. If that purpose, I'm going to be the best at what I do, isn't there, go find someone, something else to do. Because life's too short to get up every day and hate what you're doing right? Step three, catalyst. This was the last episode. I talked about you're going to reach a ceiling. There's going to be some sort of an awareness that either you've reached this plateau, there's something missing, or there's greater heights for you. There's You were put on this God's planet to do bigger things, right? You want to reach. You see somebody else that may, may not be as educated or as competent or as capable as you, but they had the courage. Maybe they got lucky. Maybe they had the relationships to get to a place you want to get to. That's a catalyst. That's a spark. That's something that says, I'm going to go do bigger things, greater things, bigger impact. That was the last episode. This one, step four, is really about immersive inquiry. You need that catalyst. You need that spark. You need that jump start. You need that 
fire in you. By the way, I, I've never believed fire under people lasts. And especially if this is self-induced, you need that fire in you. Right now, I'm pursuing a business model that's very different than what I'm doing today. I love what I do. I'm passionate about what I do. I, I'm, I've got a purpose in helping people become the best version of themselves in what I do. And yet I'm curious. And that's the other thing that, that we're going to talk about. The ingredient that takes to really succeed in immersive inquiry is curiosity. Amp up. Dial up. Living in wonder. Really being curious about not just what's happening, but why and how. What does it look like? And what are the next three steps? My dad, again, drove into me. You don't have time. You don't have the capacity to make all the mistakes yourself. So learning from others becomes a huge asset. So in the immersive inquiry stage, as you can see, it's really fanning that spark that came from the catalyst stage to explore what's po possible, what could be probable, how do I tap into the potential, and what does the path look like? So again, the, the four Ps that I often think about. What's possible? That's, that's a wide open space. What's probable, right, given constraints? given limitations, given bandwidth, given relationships. What is probable? I want the world. What is probable? How do I think big? How do I start small? How do I start in phased approaches? Then what's the potential? So if I do this in a phased approach, what does that look like in the next several steps? You may have heard me talk about this. My grandfather taught all of us kids. I've got a whole bunch of first cousins to play chess. And I didn't get it then. But what he was trying to do is help us anticipate, help us think ahead, help us think about the next three to four moves. So what's the potential, right, is really thinking through the next steps. And then at some point, what's the path? How do I connect the dots? Right? So that's a lot of what we're going to talk about in this episode, in this session all around this idea of immersive inquiry. Again, if you have the book, if you're following up, it's available on Amazon. It's available at norgroup.com, our website as well. It's called Curve Vendors. This is the entire chapter three that talks about these seven steps. And specifically, I'm on page 98. So as we talked about, the catalyst is the spark. You know what? I, I'm unhappy, but not the emotional, not just the emotional piece. It There has to be some resolve. There has to be some purpose in that spark. So I, I've always said, particularly in a time where a lot of people are thinking about changing jobs or, or divisions or business units or companies or even industry, I often say a couple of things might be really useful to you. Number one, um, don't become permanently stupid because you're temporarily upset. So don't make life-changing decisions to change jobs or change divisions or change bosses or change industries because you're mad about something, right? That's a much bigger decision that you don't want to make based on some emotional feeling. Number two, I always rather deal with a devil I know versus a devil I don't know. You already know your department. You know your business unit. You know your function. You certainly know your company and you know your industry. So I'd rather try to make that work versus jumping ship, going somewhere where you don't know anybody and you don't know that business and you don't know that company and you certainly don't know that leader. I'd rather deal with the devil I know versus the devil I don't know. Number three, 
You remember dating? <laughs> like, people who date, and I, and I equate interviewing to dating. I equate sales processes and sales calls to dating. Everybody, anybody with half a brain is going to put their best foot forward. Companies are going to paint themselves as a fabulous place. Leaders are going to be the best person you've ever met. Have you ever taken a job and three or six months later are asking yourself, what the hell did I get myself into? Because that's not the person. That's not the company. That's not the rigidity. That's not the unethical behaviors. That's whatever it is that I interviewed for. That wasn't the job. That wasn't promised. That wasn't the comp plan. That wasn't the growth path. That wasn't the realm of responsibilities. So make sure you're not running away from something and you're excited and you're running towards something. Uh, I, I, you know, I get comments all the time. This is the 20th year of our business. And I get comments all the time. Oh, I'd love to one day you know, do what you do. I want to get out there and speak or I want to coach and write a book. Fabulous. I want to do that. Not everybody, but most people who make those comments like the idea of what I do. Being an entrepreneur, taking off a couple of weeks to a month to go on a cross country, if not an international motorcycle ride. Choose the clients I want to work with. They like those ideas. They have no idea what it takes to actually get there. And, and I joke with a couple of good friends and mentors. You run into people that haven't seen you in a while. And the comment is, it's amazing what an overnight success you've become. They're being polite. They're being kind. I appreciate it. What they don't realize is what it took over the last 20 years to kind of get to a place, right? So just food for thought as you embark on this journey. So what does immersive inquiry take? Uh, let me give you three examples. Uh, the most often is a job. Uh, I'm a sales rep. I want to be a sales manager. I'm a sales manager. I want to be a sales director. I'm a director. I want to be a VP. I'm a VP. I want to be a chief revenue officer. Any of those job or career stair stages is one example. Second one is I want to change. And this, uh, not always, but this typically I see it in certain age, certain maturity. Uh, and the pandemic, by the way, has accelerated this. So uh, you're unhappy in your current role uh, or industry or job. I'm a project manager. I've been a project manager for a long time. I work for this big, large enterprise. And you know what? I've been thinking a lot about the bureaucracy and I got to get 18 signatures to get anything done. And you know what? I think I've got an entrepreneurial DNA. I think I want to go buy a franchise. And maybe it becomes initially my side hustle or my weekends or after hours or whatever, but I want to go do something else. The third one is typically uh, more life-changing. I want to go get an MBA because I want to elevate from doing to managing to leading. So I'm going to go get more education or I'm going to go, I'm going to move abroad so I can get more international experience. So think of any of these kind of sparks. Again, I, I call every one of these some sort of a spark, right? Any one of these, I often talk about you need to immerse yourself. You need to jump in with both feet, not in going off a cliff. Please don't make any life decisions that way. Start thinking about a structured approach of how do I do 
as much due diligence macro to micro. So macro is about industry. If I'm going to change industries, I'm going to go learn as much as I can about not just a franchising model, but the office cleaning or the ice cream business or the whatever that franchise concept is. If I'm a sales rep today, I have an enterprise sales rep selling B2B, you know, cybersecurity technology. I have a lot of control over my own efforts, focus. It's me. The minute I start managing, the minute I start taking on territory and I lead others, the skill sets are very different. The competencies are very different than just doing, being a hands-on contributor. So what does that look like? What, what would my day look like? What would be my responsibilities? So I am diving deep as much into, as I said, macro industry, function, company, right? And I'm going to start getting into now micro, the role. What would I report to? What would that look like? The franchise, upfront money, this new industry, size of the market, their propensity to buy, right? So... Any shift in your personal and professional growth is going to encompass a set of assumptions. A really good exercise is start capturing those assumptions. What assumptions am I making about this proverbial next step? What assumptions am I making of whether I'll be happy? Will I be in the best position to thrive? I don't want to just survive. I want to thrive in this next position. How do I put myself in the best possible position to succeed in this next phase. So I'm going to jump in and I'm going to do as much research as I can, as much due diligence as I can. I can find secondary, I can find primary research about an industry, industry segment. I can go find data on available people, that market segment their buying habits and preferences, their analysts, their research firms, I can go find a lot of those. But I'm going to go get educated on macro to micro. I'm going to really focus. I'm not going to go on tangents. I'm also going to really create a set of questions because I'm never afraid of what I don't know. I'm always afraid of what I don't know I don't know. Because what I don't want to do is I don't want to buy that franchise. I don't want to take on that job. I don't want to go to that company and then later ask, oh, crap, like what? I, I, I never knew that. So I'm making a list of my assumptions. I'm making a list of a whole bunch of questions I want to ask specific to, and the focus is really critical. Think of the focus as your guardrails. I, I, don't, I don't need to know about maritime if I... I don't need to know about these side things. If I'm, I don't want to go there. I'm going to stay very focused. Here's my lane that I want to go play in. Here's what I want to go do. I also want context. The way a franchise works in Northeast is very different than potentially a way a franchise works in the Southeast. Seasonality, weather, right? The way, you know, the proximity of a metro area like a Manhattan is very different than North Dakota or Colorado. So look at the context, really focus on context, your age, your educational background. I, I didn't go to an Ivy League school. I, I'm not in some of those ecosystems. 
So really important that not only you focus, but you create context for which what that next step looks like. The other thing I got to tell you, I, I personally struggle with um, entrepreneurs who, God bless them, I don't want to take anything away from their success. They've been incredibly successful. 20-some, 30-some-year-old, builds a software company, you know, unicorn, billion-dollar valuation, sells it, and walks away with more money than they know what to do with. Here's what my struggle is. They start to preach to everybody else on how to do it. So the context isn't there. You're, I'm building something for the service industry. You build something for the sales industry. Very different industries. There's some certainly transferable skills, but that you also did it 10 years ago. Right? Very different market and market dynamics and competitive landscape and on and on and on. So I struggle to see how any journey is one size fits all. That's what I'm alluding to. Are there elements are the ingredients i can benefit from learning and growing through absolutely but i i struggle to see one size fits all right so the focus is critical context of what that stair step what that growth looks like for you partnerships one of the things that i've learned is you don't have to do all of it alone if i think about a new business model if i think of a franchise if i think about a new sales territory, if I think of a new project plan, if I think of a new software development, anything in that journey from now to next that I've certainly come across, I deeply believe in this idea that you do not have to do it all yourself. There are other people who have already figured out the problems you're headed for. There are other people who've already figured out how to overcome those obstacles you're headed for. The key is you got to find out who they are and where they are. And this goes back to my comment around this idea of an ecosystem. So the sooner you can do your research, the more intelligent you're going to sound about your pursuit. The sooner you start to identify your hypotheses, you're, you're, you're really sending a signal that, you know, I'm trying to also cover my blind spots. The sooner you start putting your questions together, you convey your credibility, I've always believed, do the questions you ask. So I've thought about this. I know this. What I don't know is these next few things. What I don't know is what does that job entail? What I don't know is do I have the skills? Um, do I have the knowledge, the skills, the behaviors to succeed in that next position? Yeah, I want the title. Who doesn't want to be a vice president or senior vice president? Whatever the role is. What I don't know is what does it really take to succeed there? So the sooner you put your assumptions and questions together, the sooner you can start identifying and talking to individuals that are really your target audience. Um, a friend, Craig LaMasters has written a book called Unstuck. I had him uh, as a guest in a previous episode. And I love his notion. Fastest way to learn something is through somebody who's already done it. So if I want to be a VP of sales, I'm going to go talk to whole bunch of VPs of sales and say, listen, I'm a director today. I'm doing well. Tell me what was that leap for you like? Tell me what's the biggest mistakes you made. Tell me what surprised the heck out of you in that position. Tell me what set you back. What pitfalls did you fall into? What would you have done differently? I've got a whole bunch of questions about that job. And I'm going to go talk to a lot of different people to get their perspectives. And, and I need you to hear this. It all becomes data points 
for you to get as holistic of a view of that next step, of, that's why it's immersive inquiry. I want to become as knowledgeable about that next step as possible. I want to get as many data points as possible. And what happens is you start to hone in on customer profile, colleague profile, key success factors. What is it really going to take? Their demographic information, their psychographic information. Ooh, that's where the franchise has succeeded. Who's been your most successful? Who are the franchises who didn't do as well? What happened to the last VP of sales? What happened to the last several VPs of sales? Who are doing really well in that arena? Whatever that next step is you want, there's typically partnerships. There are typically opportunities to uncover right, other individuals who've done it or doing it have gone down this path with you. So we talked about focus. We talked about context, partnerships. Four, really is all about interpretation. If you have a purpose, whatever that, that next stage in your growth, professional pro, personal growth is, you have, you're making some assumptions. I mentioned to you those assumptions. You got to have a whole bunch of questions. In essence, what you're doing is you're creating a hypothesis. If I get to a VP of sales, I'm a sales director today. If I get to a VP of sales, that's my path to a chief revenue officer. Uh, I own, you know, one of my assumptions is I either need several years of experience or I need to go to an MBA to move just from selling to more of an operation. So more of a COO or a CEO. Well, who says you need an MBA? I, I know a lot of COOs without an MBA. Or there's no way, this is my favorite comment people make, there's no way for me to make that leap. How do you know? You're making that assumption. So how do we start Connecting the dots between your hypothesis and your shared understanding as you engage individuals, as you start to focus, as you start to get the different data points you need to make that connection. So what you interpret, how you interpret of that, the assumptions, the questions into what the outcome could be, what that next step is. Here's what it's got, that job is going to require. The sooner you can do that, the less room you leave for ambiguity. The last step here that I want you to think about is this idea of all of us have biases. We have biases in what we choose to pay attention to. We have biases in what we choose to ignore. That's not important right now. That, that won't matter. Oh, I'm going to have to commute four or five days a week, or I'm going to have to pack up my life and wife and kids and all that and move. Yeah, that's not important. It may not be important to you, it's important to that partner. Kids are incredibly resilient, but most of them hate leaving their friends, particularly in formative years, and going to a new environment. Is that worth it? I, I've moved a whole bunch of times professionally, and I still regret a move some 20, 30 years ago. So really thinking about your biases in whatever solution, in whatever path you've developed is going to be critical. So we talked about focus. We talked about context, partnerships, interception or interpretation, sorry, of your hypothesis, your questions into what that outcome. I want the best possible picture of what that role, what that next stair step looks like. 
And then I want to make sure I check my biases. Am I really biased toward this? Am I doing this because I want to, there's an alternative motive or there's something else I'm after, right? And I mentioned to you earlier that of the, the different P's, right? What's possible? Cast the wide net. What's probable? What's, what's most likely to happen? What's the potential? When I do this, when I'm able to do these things, when I'm able to get the next step, and then what's the path? And I'm capturing that in a game plan. And, and I got to tell you, as long as I remember, I've always been a 30, 60, 90 day. In front of me, I've got calendars of the next 90 days. I think in terms of 90 day sprints. So what's my 90 day? I want to translate this due diligence. I want to translate my hypotheses, my questions, all the work I've done in pursuing what this next path could be for me into a set of actionable 30, 60, 90 days. And I got to tell you, I like lines in the sand. That calendar doesn't move. Right? So here's what I'm going to do by end of this month. Here's what I'm, you know, the next things I'm going to do by end of next month. I am actually writing out a project plan for myself of what do I need to go accomplish? I mentioned earlier, I'm pursuing a, a different business model, a very different approach than what I'm doing today. And so far, it's been, yep, get the vision. You got to crystallize the catalyst. Remember that? Crystallize. Here's, here's where I think I want to go. I'm on the fourth iteration. I use version control. So 1.4 is the fourth iteration of that initial vision. Is where I'm going. Here's what I want to do. I've always been aggressive on my timelines. Several friends, several people I like, respect, trust are telling me, listen, that's too aggressive. It's going to take you longer to do some of those things. Several people are now asking the exact same questions, right? Maybe one person is way off base, but how about everybody asking? Several people are asking the exact same set of questions. That's a void in my narrative, in my story, in my vision, in where I want to go. And how do I want to bring this vision to fruition? So then that's the areas. And we'll talk a lot more about this the next one, which is the next episode is going to be on strategic relationships. And really the incredible value of those relationships and helping you solidify, helping you think through that vision, that your journey from now to next. But in terms of what's possible, that's thinking big. That is not just one physical location, but 10. That's a business model that can scale and I can sell one day. That is a Half a million, that's a billion dollar business. That's me running a division. That's me running an international country. Whatever that possible is. Great. Now here's probable. It's, it's never a straight line, right? It's always this squiggly, take three steps back so you can take one step forward, right? If entrepreneurship was easier, a lot more people would be doing it. But most people don't have the stomach for the ups and downs. The soul crushing, the high of highs. Oh my God, look at what we were able to accomplish. So the probable path is really what I'm focused on. I know what's possible. I'm going to focus on the probable path, my best chance of success. What's the potential? When we do these things, when we do, I, listen, I like stair step. I like bite-sized pieces. I like when I do these things. When I tackle these steps, you're the people I'm going to need. I'm not going to be able to get there by myself. What's the old adage? If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go with a group of people. Go with others. 
single biggest, often uncontrollable variable in any business model are the people, is the talent. It's pouring training and development and love and growth into the people, right? How about the brand? What will the brand look like? How about the culture? How do I build a culture that deeply believes in customer centricity, deeply believes in going above and beyond the minimum that's required of you, right? So the potential is, is what I want to go for. The potential is my guiding light. The potential when we reach each of these is the chance to reach the next one. I'll go get an MBA. It's going to broaden my purview above and beyond just sales to now management, if not leadership. I got a fantastic LinkedIn message from uh, someone I, I like and respect a great deal earlier today asking, is there a way to engage you for your coaching services? Because I believe I can become a better leader. That's self-awareness right there, that there's a better version of me just waiting. I can see it. I believe in it. I want to get there. I cannot. And the humility to know I cannot get there by myself. And this is why this immersive inquiry is so good for you to understand where is it that I'm trying to get to? And then a path forward becomes a set of very actionable, very focused set of next steps, very focused set of here's what I'm going to do in the next 30, 60, 90 days. So that's really what immersive inquiry is about. Let me give you and let me wrap up this session with some best practices. Uh, I mentioned a couple of them earlier. Uh, in most individuals' journey, growth journey that I've met so far, most of us cannot get there by ourselves. I posted uh, a link to uh, Wishlist was kind enough to make a list of you know some great coaches that they've identified, and I'm I'm humbled to be a part of that group. But I what I said in the in the post LinkedIn post is if we all you know at some point you've already gained the skill, you already have the knowledge of the application of that skill, the impact you're seeking. The change you're after is going to come from a change in your behaviors. Do And behaviors are never a switch. They're always a dial. Do more of this. Do less of this. You want to become more empathetic? You want to listen more proactively? Stop interrupting. Stop being distracted. Be in the moment. Be present in the moment and pay attention. Focus on the individuals you're trying to engage. Right? So if most of us could get there, could leverage our strengths and shore up or work on our growing edges, I believe we would. The problem is most of us can't. There's a reason to use a nutritionist to not just lose the weight, but keep the weight off. There's a reason to use a personal trainer. I can certainly drive to the gym. I know the equipment. I know what to do. The personal training, make sure I do it correctly. I don't hurt myself and I get the maximum results for my efforts. Think about it. Athletes use coaches to really fine-tune a piece of their game, part of their game. Entertainers, masterful entertainers, use coaches to hone their craft. Why not business professionals? So most of us, tip number one, in that journey, we're going to need an independent sounding board. My wife is not independent. She's biased. My family is biased. You need it. My colleagues are biased. And I certainly can't go to my boss. So... You need an independent sounding board to kind of help guide you in this journey, number one. Number two, 
I, I found some fascinating research that any goal, any aspiration is dramatically in a better chance to actually see fruition, see results. If you do three things, one, write it down. That's why the 30, 60, 90 day plan, that's why a path, that's write it down. Here's run vision going. Here's what that looks like. People cannot read your mind. And you're going to leave a lot of room for misunderstanding and misperceptions. And I thought you said we write it down Two, break it into bite sized pieces. Yeah, I want to build a hundred million dollar business. Good on you. Is it possible? Sure. Is it probable? Hell no. Not by yourself and not from seat of your pants. It needs an operating plan of some sort. It needs a vision. It needs market. It needs capital. It needs staff. It needs talent. It needs infrastructure. It needs, right? So write it down and start breaking into smaller chunks. Three, an accountable peer. I mentioned a coach. I mentioned a guide. An accountable peer on your goals, on your aspirations. Somebody else that's going to hold you accountable. Nor, you said you were going to do this, this, and this. How's that going? If you did it, how did it go? If you didn't do it, what has to happen for you to get there? Any goal, any aspiration, any next step, any stair step, you dramatically improve your chances if you capture it, if you break it into smaller pieces, and if you find an accountable peer. So number one, don't try to go out alone. The most successful people I know use a coach, use some sort of an independent sounding board to help them get there. Number two, Write it down, break it into smaller chunks, an accountable peer to hold you accountable. Three, with any immersive inquiry, with any spark, you got to, and I, and I heard this analogy years ago and it absolutely stuck with me. You've got to be willing to kill 999 flowers to grow one oak tree. So let's just take it, any of those scenarios I gave you, right? I want to be a sales manager. And you do your due diligence and you realize it's more work, it's less money, it's manage, babysitting a whole lot of people you don't want to deal with and a hell of a lot more responsibility and accountability. No thank you. you got to be able to walk away from that. Yeah, I thought I wanted to go there, but after my due diligence, after my homework, it really isn't that appealing. Uh, startups call this often a product market fit. If you don't get product market fit right, the rust won't matter. So you've done your due diligence. You realize that sales manager is not a good role for you. Franchise. I'll, I'm going to go pursue a franchise. And you know what? Oh, my God. I'm going to be there seven days a week. And I'm going to work my tail off. For what? I I'm making more money collecting a paycheck than I would my own. Franchising. Or you know what? That type of franchising in my due diligence, I found that that's not what I want to do. Or, you know, I'm a project manager today. I want to go into a very different industry. I'm going to go get education. I'm going to go get certification. To do what? Yeah, people, I like learning as much as the next person. But if the end result isn't worth it, this comes from comedy, right? If the, if the setup isn't worth the punchline, why do it? Don't do it. Modify it. Change it. So think big. Start small, find a way to scale, find a way to leap, find a way to get you there. But the due diligence, and I appreciate Doug jumping in. Love, love this. Doug, you know, Doug Lehman, by the way, uh, layman's terms. Love, love, if you don't know Doug, you should check him out. 
So due diligence, self-awareness, it starts there, right? So absolutely right. Doug, glad you're here. Thanks for jumping in. So think big, start small, find a way to scale, find a way to get you that, that proverbial kind of next step. Here's my final kind of tip for you on, so if you, you know, be willing to walk away, be willing to my due diligence, and I know who I am, building on Doug's comment, I know who I'm not at my age or my career or where I am now. I don't want to do those things. That self-awareness will save you all kinds of time, effort, capital, aggravation, not if not just damaged, destroyed relationships. So I'd rather you do a whole bunch of due diligence and figure out that path isn't for you then get in this immersive inquiry and feel obligated or feel like I've done all this work. I need to go the due diligence and the research and all that is to kind of lead you to a go, no go, which is really that the, the biggest tip I can give you. I believe in multiple options. Maybe it's not a sales manager. Maybe it's go open a new territory. Maybe it's not a franchise model. Maybe it's buying a business. Maybe it's not just changing to this industry, changing to this facet of this industry. If you create optionality, if you create almost like a diverse portfolio of what that next step could be for you in your due diligence, think about it a second. You could absolutely validate one path is great and it's worthwhile pursuing. The other four are not. Or you know what? That's a dead end. I don't want to go there. I don't want to do that job. That's not really where I want to go pursue. But I found that a fascinating aspect of this that really intrigues me. And I think I want to pivot. I always think about uh, when we were kids. You remember playing dodgeball? When that ball is coming at you, you didn't. most of us didn't stand still. If we could, what did we do? We moved. We pivoted. That's the same thing in the immersive inquiry stage is if you have optionality, if you have choices. Think of interviewing. I'm, I'm coaching a couple of executives in their transition right now. And... I'm actually coaching them. And these are people that have been really successful and they've done well. I'm coaching them. Listen, you're interviewing the company and the job as much as they're interviewing you. And you don't ever want to come across for any job as desperate. So if you have options, if you have choices, if you're, and they're all within general parameters of where you want to go pursue, now I can be much more independent in that decision-making. And you got to remember this. Most of us evaluate options logically. We decide emotionally. So when I said check your biases earlier, it's not just biases for the information and the facts and the logic and the data. It's also bias on your emotions. So I hope this has been useful to you. Again, this is, I'm going to show the, the steps one more time. Uh, these are seven steps to meeting potential curve benders that I've highlighted in my most recent book, Curve Benders. Uh, in the previous episode, we covered step one, personal kind of foundation, two, professional commitment. The last episode was on Catalyst, which is really a spark. This session was immersive inquiry. Next time, I'm going to talk about a topic that I've been a student of for 20 years. In the next session, we're going to talk about strategic relationships We'll talk about agile execution after that, and then really this connection cadence. This is how I've been able to meet amazing people in my life and my work. And I believe these curve benders could also impact your growth journey from now to next. So if you just joined us, my name is David Noor. I'm the author of several books, most recently this one called Curve Benders. 
And the intent is to help you create a path, create an intentional and a strategic path to become the best version of yourself. I hope this has been useful to you. I hope you'll join us in our NOR forum community. If you haven't checked it out, norgroup.com slash forum is our private online community. I would encourage you to come join us there. I'm there every day sharing tidbits, ideas, uh, perspectives, articles, events. Uh, and also we can continue the conversation on this and other topics. Uh, Relationship Economics and its brand new, all brand new written third edition. I think it's over this shoulder. We'll be out this fall. Uh, it's by far my best-selling work and the work that I'm known for. So I hope you'll come back and I'll continue to add insights as we shift out of this series into next one. On behalf of our team, thanks for joining us and I uh, look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye.